Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. After a tussle in Texas, it's homecoming week for the Cougars as Texas Tech comes to town for the first time ever. And we're previewing a crucial Saturday showdown with Kalani and center Connor Pay next on BYU TV and ESPN+. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is presented by Intermountain Health, official medical provider of BYU Athletics. Well, thank you, and good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside the BYU Broadcasting Building on the beautiful BYU campus in Provo, Utah, as we kick off the second half of the Cougar football season with our week seven edition of BYU football with Kalani Sitake. We are live and on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. And we're also live on ESPN+. We invite you to take part with us in the Q&A segment of tonight's show using the social media hashtag, hashtag Sitake Show. Coming up on tonight's broadcast, we will recap a Saturday setback at TCU. We will look ahead to this Saturday's set two with Texas Tech. Deep Blue will profile BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis. We'll be joined in studio by offensive lineman Connor Pay. We'll enjoy a test of wits with Connor and also social media Q&A, BYU football trivia and reveal this weekend's uniform combination for the Texas Tech game. Let's get tonight's show underway by welcoming in the head coach of your BYU Cougars. He is Kalani Sitake. Yeah. Hi, Hazel. Thank you. I got Hendricks on lay duty tonight. There we go. Nice job. Thank you, Hendricks. <laughs> oh, Hendricks, Hendricks, hey, Wooly, everybody. There. Yes. I just knew it was one of the H's. Yeah, but the, the Hey Mooley family always takes care of us. Uh, I, I actually, uh, Hazel was my lay uh, girl tonight in the uh, in the hallway, and you got Hendricks tonight. So These are nice. I, mean, I collect really them cool. all. Yeah. I, I tend to collect them all anyway. So, uh, who do you have uh, in the uh, audience tonight? Oh, I got my mom and my dad, and then obviously my my son KK right here. So he's uh, got a little workout in today, so he's ready to go. He's a little tired, but <laughs> glad that he's able to join us today. It's okay, son. You can smile. <laughs> I like your jacket. That's cool. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's getting there. Last week it was a little cold. I used to wear my um, my hoodie, but I'm trying to wrap the Y in different ways, so it looks nice. Very nice. Go buy yourself as a Letterman jacket. It's nice. What was that practice like today? <laughs> it was good. I mean, uh, you know, we have to get over the uh, the loss of last week, and I think that's kind of the the uh, my job is to make sure that our guys can kind of whether we win or lose, you got to move on to the next and learn as much as you can. Um, you know, obviously last week didn't go the way we wanted it to. Uh, I thought the TCU looked really good, and I thought they looked probably the best they've looked all year yeah. since they won the playoff game last year. Um, I just don't think we, we uh, I think, they, like I said before, they played their best game, we played our worst. And uh, you're not going to win a lot of games if, if we don't get that fixed. That's my job as a head coach, and, uh, you know, I apologize for not, not getting our team ready, but uh, we're going to learn from it and get better and, and hopefully uh, Get, get to our best self by the time we get to this weekend against Texas Tech. The Big 12 grind is no joke. You had a team that played in last year's national championship game. You have some teams picked in the top tier that are near the bottom. You had some tip picked near the bottom. They're at the, near the top right now. You don't know week to week what you're going to get. What you are going to get is good football week in, week out in this league. Yeah, and, and then you can just uh, uh, assume you're going to get the team's best shot. And then, I mean, we played Kansas uh, when they had their quarterback, and they haven't had him since, you know. And, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously, TCU had a change in quarterback with it with injury happening to Morris, but uh, they had a they had a week to prep with with uh, with Hoover and they put a good game plan out there and we couldn't capitalize on the mistakes that 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 uh, 
we couldn't really come back from the mistakes that we made. And we've been able to do that in the past, and especially this year, you know, we've been able to get some wins and it just didn't work out. And it's just a lesson for all of us to learn that you can't just, against these teams in the Big 12, you can't, you can't uh, get yourself in too, too deep of a hole. You won't be able to climb out of it. And, um, but but we, we do appreciate the opportunity to represent, and uh, we're really happy to see the fans out there. They did a great job showing up, and had a, it looked like we had a whole mission that was there. And uh, you know, we were able to sing the fight song for them after. I just wish we would have gave them more to, to cheer for. You know, they're they way are. up. They're looking at them. <laughs> they got they got the best seats in the house. Yeah, I guess P Day moved to Saturday for us, but uh, <laughs> but uh, they they were there loud and make, and they were, had a lot of energy the entire time. So we just it was a lot of fun to be there. Um, you know, I haven't been in that stadium since they redid it, and yeah. so the upgrades that they made to the stadium was amazing. And and uh, that, that that environment that setting is a really cool setting, and and uh, just. Uh, next time we show up there, I want to play better. They had a, a, a guy making his first start, and he threw it almost 60 times. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was really accurate. And, you know, when you throw 60 times, and, and this is some of the things that we need to fix. And I think the, the, you, if you want to, other than the score, if you want to look at ways that we can improve, I think what would have been really helpful on defense is to get out, out of drives on third downs. And you got him into a lot of third downs, but yeah. they converted too many. Yeah, and then and when you when you – we're usually better than that on third downs, and uh, we couldn't couldn't really work it. And, and um, you know, and, and the other thing is not getting any disruption. We didn't get any. Uh, we got a couple picks, but um, zero sacks and 60 passes. That's that's not going to go well for us. And so we, we need to, we need to improve in those in those categories. But on the on the offensive side, our third and our average third down was like third and nine, and so that means that you're not winning first and second down, and you're not keeping the third downs more manageable. I, I still think that if it's third and long, we still should convert. But uh, the, the, the numbers aren't in your favor if you're going third and long the entire game. And so uh, those things, areas that we need to improve on, and obviously I think we went one for three on fourth down, turned the ball over that way, and uh, that's just not, that's not good enough football. We'll look a little closer at the game itself. Let's hit a couple of other topics, and let's maybe talk personnel with you. Uh, you've already had to talk about a couple of season-ending injuries mm -hmm. for your players on defense this week. Yeah, it was difficult. I mean, we lost uh, Tanner Wall, who's our starting free safety, and he worked so hard all season long in the off season to get to where he's at. And, and uh, we had already lost <clears throat> a couple safety. We already lost, you know, Michael Harper and Talon Alfrey, but gave the um, op opportunity for T Tanner to play, and and he's he's been playing great all year, and then and had an unfortunate injury that that uh, required surgery, and so he was out and. Um, but it gave opportunities for young guys to play and, and other guys, Crew Wakely and Preston Ethan Slade Rex and, and Preston Rex yeah. and Raider DeMooney yeah. were able to fill in. So uh, we have depth. I just I don't want to keep testing the depth, you know. But um, but we know that we can count on those guys to make plays. And they did some really good things. But um, overall, and then we had, been, I think, Ben Bywater, we announced that, that I think he was going to try to push the, the injury and try to keep play through it. Um, I just It just wasn't going to sit well with me and with the coaches. I just can't. I can't have a young man, even though he's willing, sacrifice his uh, his livelihood for for uh, for us. And I think a lot of the Cougar Nation can understand that. But he he was still trying to play at the very end, and it just man, I, I can't I can't do it. I can't look him and his family in the eyes and, and feel good about that. Um, so I, the right thing is to get him surgery, he and, and get him healthy, and uh, require uh, you know we we still need him. We, He's still required to be a captain for us and still lead. And so 
uh, he's going to have to help us in other ways, just not on the field. He's turned into Harrison Taggart time at middle linebacker. He's got a good career looking in front of him. Yeah, he's done a great job. And, and you know, getting some young guys, some, some looks. And, uh, you know, Seattle Serra had, a, had an opportunity to play as a true freshman and got a, an, his first interception. Hopefully yeah. one out of, you know, many more to come. But uh, these young guys are going to be stepping up. I think Ace Kafusi got some reps too. And, um, you know, we, we have A.J. Vankpachan and, and, and Max Tooley there at linebacker with Harrison Taggart. And so I think there's, there's a good group, still a lot of depth there. But uh, definitely going to miss Ben and, and, and miss Tanner and the others that aren't in there right now. Hopefully, uh, Talon Alfrey can return soon on that defense. So how do you feel about your team at 4-2 and two at the halfway mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel good. I, I think it, 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 a coach is probably going to say we can play better. I know we can play better, and I think the fans know they've seen it. And that's my job is to get our team so that we can play better and we can be more effective and have, uh, have more success on the field in all three phases. And so... I'm not shying away from that. I, I know that we can play better, and I want us to play better, and we're going to work towards getting that done. It definitely was not our brand of football last, last week. Um, you have to give TCU credit for making the plays, but we didn't help ourselves with some of the mistakes that we made and, and just re really errors and miscues that are not, not like us. All right, well, this past Saturday down in Fort Worth, it was BYU visiting TCU for the first time in 13 years. The renewal of an old rivalry, an old conference rivalry, in a third different league. The Cougs and Horned Frogs played at Amon G. Carter Stadium on a sunny Saturday afternoon in Eclipse Day. And that took place during pregame. Sky looked a little funky down there in Texas for a bit. Looked more awesome in other parts of the country, but we can still tell down in Texas. And this is how the game began for BYU. Never good to be on the back foot so early like this. No, and we've had that happen too many times this year. And um, and, and, and then just uh, tight coverage, but but make the tackle or find a way to get the ball down. And, and it, those are all, that drive was third downs. And we had some, some bright spots, but we, we couldn't capitalize on the opportunities that we had in getting turnovers. And uh, again, third and goal, you know, we've got to come up with a, with a stop there. And, uh, we've been pretty good in red zone defense and red zone offense, and uh, I think we left a lot of a lot of big plays, a lot of point opportunities on the field there. Nice catch by Chase on the two-point conversion, and it felt like it was going to be a ball game again for a bit, and then there was a crucial uh, penalty on the sideline, led to a touchdown, and then the gates were kind of open at that point. Yeah, and just uh, like I said, good teams don't let you come back, and so um, we, we'd like to get to a point when we have leads that we don't let a team back. and. Um, and then we'd like to be at that point where we can play at a high level like TCU did that day. Uh, we'll see if they can continue to keep that up, but it's been, it's been crazy in the Big 12. You watch, you can't predict any of the games. Right. I, I just like to be predictable in a good way, you know, and, and uh, have our, our guys play to their abilities and, and uh, have more success that way. And then I think we can, I, I, listen, I don't know if we play our best game, if it's gonna, if it's gonna be good enough to beat them, but we'll never know now. And so we won't have that opportunity. And talked to the team yesterday about we can't, we can't waste any more moments and more opportunities. And, uh, and one just passed us by. And I felt like there's even moments in the other, six, the other five games before this that where we, we can play better. And I, I've said it before, it's my job. I, I'll, we'll figure it out and hopefully we get it done by this week. And that, the, the sense of urgency is, is high for us, and for me especially. I'm not a very patient person. Mm. I've waited long enough. Let's go already. Let's get this done. Well, you are on the back half of the schedule suddenly, yeah. and so six down, six to go. Let's take a look at our season schedule, presented as always by Smarty. This takes us to game seven, and again, the back half of the conference campaign, uh, back half of the season campaign, still early, relatively speaking, in the Big 12 schedule. You've got Texas Tech. All your Texas teams, you're playing in the month of October this year. TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas back to back to back. Yeah, I guess it's a good good time to be in Texas. We'll, 
It wasn't our great, great experience last week, but we got to make sure we capitalize on them. All. And Texas Tech has never played a game in the state of Utah, let alone a BYU. They've never been to the state before all time, ever. In fact, they've only played against BYU once before, and it was it was 70, it was 80-odd yeah. years ago. Maybe someone should tell them that there's such thing as altitude sickness. <laughs> Just Something to be on the lookout for. Yeah, research yeah. it. <laughs> how, how big is bowl eligibility for your team, knowing you've got to find two more wins here down the stretch? Yeah, I, I'm not really worried about that. I wasn't worried about that before the season started, and, and we, we're, we're at four wins. We want to look and try to get five. We tried to get that last week, wasn't good enough. And uh, we will take it one step at a time. I, I think rather than worry about the record, let's let's try to be at our best for 60 minutes. We've had great flashes of it. Um, ask the coaches and the players and myself to just like find ways so we can perform really well and be efficient and effective as a team. And and uh, when we do that, I think we'll have we'll we'll, we'll be happy with the, whatever the record is. And and if you do it the right way, then you'll earn more more uh, another opportunity to play another game. Well, the next chance for win number five happens this Saturday at 5 p.m. BYU and Texas Tech squaring off for the first time since that 1940 meeting in Lubbock. It's the only time those two teams have ever met, BYU and TCU, and they get together on homecoming week for the Cougars this time around. A big game in the Big 12 standings and for both teams' postseason aspirations as the Red Raiders are at 3-4, and four, BYU at 4-2. and two. And another team coach with another quarterback quandary. Last week it was Josh Hoover filling in for the injured Chandler Morris. And now the Red Raiders may be down to their third string quarterback. They've yet to say whether Baron Morton gets back. He's the second stringer. Uh, Tyler Shuck went out, Baron Morton came in, and now it's Jake Strong. At least he finished the game against uh, Kansas State on the weekend. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not assuming anything. Uh, I just, we, we got to assume that the, the quarterback's going to be uh, the best quarterback in the country. That's what we have to be ready for that. I, I, I know that they're going to, um, you find out a lot about teams. I, th I felt like TCU had their back against the wall and had to find a, a, a way to get a win. Um, th th there was a that type of feeling, you know, and, and I, I think I'm um, trying to generate that feeling every week. But I, I think we're at that moment now where, mm -hmm. where it's, 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 it's do or die time. And so uh, I like to see our guys play their best. And, um, you know, Texas Tech's not an easy, easy opponent. It doesn't matter who shows up and who's playing behind center. A guy's going to be a very capable player. And they have really good coaches there. There's coaches that I know on that staff that are, are super in uh, intelligent and can figure out a way to get their their teams to, to score points and so it's not going to be easy. Their defense is strong and tough and uh, offense can, can, can have explosive plays. Uh, so they're, they're great, great talent on, and I'm just glad we're at home in front of our fans and uh, looking forward to that game on Saturday night. When you went to Baylor a couple of years ago, Joey McGuire was the linebackers coach mm -hmm. on that staff with Dave Aranda. Now he's got his own program at Texas Tech. What do you know about Joey? What do you kind of, uh, yeah. what, what, what kind of sense do you get from him about how his teams play? Joey knows football and, and he's, he's a legend in the state of Texas. High school legend. Yeah, Cedar Hill. Yeah. And so he's, he, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's had a lot of success there, state championships and it's created a dynasty there. And so um, when, when he had the opportunity to go and coach at Baylor, I think he went with Matt Rule first and then uh, was there with Aranda. Um, it made a lot of sense for for Texas Tech to hire him to be the head coach, and he's put together a really good staff. And so, um, you know, we always know about Texas Tech because Mike Leach was there, and he's he's a BYU guy. Ties, yeah, right? so uh, we've always been kind of tuned into what they're doing, and, and this is a, a really dangerous team with with a really good coaching staff. And Joey's a great head coach, and um, I mean, there's guys on that that, that team. I mean, CJI is a, a a coach on that yep. team. He's an assistant. He's been here before. He has a brother on our 
in our support staff, and, and he has a nephew on our team. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then you know they're they're related to the Kingsley. So that this is a there's a, there's a lot of connections. There's a lot of people on that 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 staff that we know that knows us, and uh, we're familiar with with the style of play that they have. And they're familiar with our style. So. We'll see what happens. Shout out to CJ and Jason's dad, Saleh, who was a BYU player way back yes, in the day as right. well. The IU family goes way back with BYU. Very talented. The DC Tim DeRuiter has probably more experience than anyone on that staff with BYU. Played against BYU back in the day. Has been at so many different staffs. Come to Provo, coached against BYU. It is an interesting note about the staff, how many little ties there are to this Yeah, and, and, and Tim is a really good person and, and has a, a defensively can be really aggressive. He, he knows everything about uh, about football and how to defend different looks. And so uh, there's, there's a very uh, veteran group there um, with a lot of talent. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to, you can notice it when you watch film, you can see how good they are and how well coached they are. And uh, I think it's got our guys' attention from day one. One last quick note before the break. It's homecoming week. What did homecoming mean to you back when you were playing at BYU when it was homecoming week? You know, I, I just, did it really uh, affect you as a, as a player, or was it just kind of a, another game for you? I think I think you just you just knew that there's going to be a packed house and the fans are going to be crazy. But that's every week at BYU. So I, <laughs> I think uh, for me, homecoming's always been it's it's, it's the uh, I know that you get we, there's a lot of energy. Um, the environment's awesome, but it's been like that the entire time. So I think for alumni to come back and see it and. Um, and, and experience it. It's been awesome. But we have our mainstay fans that have been here the entire time and uh, really looking forward to being home. It's, it's a good time to be home for a game right now. Saturday night at LaVelle Edwards Stadium. It'll be special. All right, as we break, let's tell you that your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play -play happens on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan today and tomorrow. The guys are in Kansas City, site of the Big 12 Women's and Men's Basketball Media Days and site of the Big 12 Tournaments in the spring. That's Sports Nation weekdays, noon Eastern, BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, offensive lineman Connor Pay will join us in studio and Deep Blue will profile quarterback Keaton Slovis when BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. Stay with us. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Health, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And Smarty, location data experts. We welcome you back football with Kalani Sitake. Well, early success in his college career had Keaton Slovis looking forward to a great future at USC and beyond. Multiple detours later, he looks to see the fruition of that career at BYU. This is Deep Blue with Keaton Slovis. When I think about my first memories of football, my mom actually didn't want me to play. He played flag football when he was about five years old, and then he finally started playing tackle at sixth grade. You get one concussion and you're done. That was the original idea of football. I was excited, um, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. My like peewee team was not very good, but my dad had the rule of if you sign up and you get hit, you're doing it. If you want to quit after the season, that's fine, but you're not going to take one hit and be done. As a parent of a sports kid, you always hear the whining from the other parents of having to get up early and drive their kids to practice. Um, waking their kid up, they, they can't find their stuff, they have to wash their things. I didn't have to do anything. His high school team practiced, I think, at five in the morning, and he was up and ready to go, and one of the first ones there, and it comes from the love of the game, right? If you love to do something, you get up and do it. 
I was like, man, I think I can be pretty good at this. And I'm throwing the ball better than all these other kids in my area and kind of just like in my element and this might be my thing. When Keaton was a freshman, we had a conversation and he said, dad, I want to be a D1 quarterback. I said, okay then, my goal then is to do everything I can do to help you be a D1 quarterback and your job is school and football to prepare to do everything you can do to be that D1 quarterback. Going into my junior year, I started sending like maybe videos or letters out to schools. Didn't hear back from anybody. Most of them came away impressed, but a lot of them weren't necessarily pulling the trigger with an offer for a scholarship. So a coach from USC came out to see Keaton play which was, to me, very random because Keaton's team wasn't very good. And they saw him throw, and they offered him that day. We hope you will join our Trojan family. Sincerely, Clay Help, head football coach. You get that? Yeah, I committed like a week after I got my offer, but again, to me, I was like, this is a great opportunity. I believe myself, I'm bet on myself, and I'll take it. When he first got to USC, no one expected him to play. I don't think even the coaches expected him to play. Their starting quarterback the previous year was a freshman, was the number one rated quarterback in the country. And then they had two other highly rated quarterbacks on their roster. And so this a question was, why would you go to USC when they already have all these guys there? And so when he got to USC, he just put his nose to the ground and grinded. And coming out of spring camp. He ended up finishing spring practice as the number two quarterback behind the returning starter. JT Daniels gets hurt in week two, blown ACL. All of a sudden, Keaton's the man in freshman year at USC. You never want someone to get hurt so your kid can play. It was like, okay, so he's playing, and then you're scared because, wait a minute, he's, he's not even supposed to play this game. And he's doing okay-ish, and then he's doing really good. It was an emotional roller coaster. I mean, talk about a marquee position at a marquee school. Has a great freshman year. Everything's going great for him, and he's the future. Things were really looking great at that point, to the point where going into sophomore year, the incumbent starter who got injured ended up transferring, realizing that, that Keaton was going to be the guy at that point. Well, that sophomore year was the COVID year. Keaton got COVID. So he's in a hotel in L.A. all by himself, locked in a room like it's jail, getting food delivered to his doorstep. And that's how that season started. Keaton never complained about COVID. Keaton never complained about the season, even though it was, like, super hard. Um, with everybody being out and we can practice now, we can't practice, and we can play, but we can't play. I think at least he had his team, and I think that helped him through quite a bit. And he actually played just as well or better than he did the first year, but he only got to play five games. Coming back to his junior year, he, he was still pretty highly touted. And was excited for what my last year would bring to me. And almost at the end, right as the, at the precipice of wanting to put together a whole season of being healthy. His coach gets fired week two, and that was a really rough season. And the school was trying to do one thing and the team trying to do another. I'm like, man, like, you just sabotaged our whole season. The Trojans went four and eight, didn't make a bowl game. And there are a lot of questions, obviously, uh, with interim coaches and the future of the program. And Keaton was caught up in the middle of all that. It was very hard to go to like team meetings, very hard to get into the facility and stuff because it's all stuff I just didn't want to deal with. And you think, just get to the end of the day, you're still going to have to get better as a player regardless of what happens next year. 
So that's what I kind of focused on, is just be the best person you can be and keep improving. He transferred to Pittsburgh, and things didn't go exactly as planned at Pittsburgh either. Coach that recruited him to there moves on. So before he'd even played it down for Pitt, he had a new coach, a new coordinator, and they moved to a more of a running style offense. And so that had to be a jolt to his future plans and his system to go to a offense that basically didn't want to utilize him for his best skills. So I think at that point, I kind of thought, you know, if I have one more year left, I might as well just do it on my own terms in a place where, you know, I can really have all the success I want and can't blame these external factors. As soon as his name appeared in the portal, I was there. The next day, I flew to Pittsburgh, met with them. And we talked for like four hours. And immediately, I knew like this is a guy I'd love to play for. BYU came and said, this is what we want to do. You're the guy to do it. We know you can do this. Keen's like, this is exactly what I want. But then the hesitancy is, will they do what they say they're going to do? And they have. Aaron Roderick is the first guy that actually recruited him as a player, had the relationship as a recruit coach, is actually still going to coach him during that season. For a guy that's accomplished as much as he has already, he was not entitled at all. He didn't ask us about how much NIL money he was going to make. He was way more concerned with how he fit in here and with the team and with the offense and those things. He's way more concerned with that than he was with anything else. His teammates have all gravitated towards him. They rally around him. He's upright, he's got a smile, his head's high, his shoulders are back, and it's real. It's, it's, that's who he is, and I think the players feed off of that naturally. And so when he does choose to speak and show a little bit of emotion, it's received really well because when he does that, the players know it's, it's, it's coming from right from his heart. I'm excited for him, and I hope he gets what he wants this year, and I, I hope he gets the, the accomplishments that he wants, but, but I'm really proud of what he's already done. There's times in the past couple years where I wasn't super happy coming out to play football. Now I'm having fun again playing the game, and I'm around people I love and trust and want to play the game with and I'm in the foxhole with, so I'm looking forward to a lot of success, but also I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun doing it. How important has this one-year player become to your program? Oh, he's been great, and, and the uh, leadership, but, but more the, the love that he shares for the entire team. And he's been, through, he's been through a lot of different scenarios and things that didn't go his way, and, and really nothing that he could have controlled, really. And um, I think he just wanted to be around good people. That's, that's, uh, not, not that he wasn't around good people before, but it's like there's, he wasn't very stable, and he, didn't, he didn't, couldn't count on them being there. Uh, and now he's got a group here, a family here, and, and he's just loving the fans too. I mean, he's having so much fun. Uh, I just want to see him have more fun. This is, he's got a lot of skills and a lot of um, uh, his strengths are something that we can definitely highlight and hopefully we can get that done. Quarterbacks get uh, banged up during the course of a season. How's he doing that way health-wise? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, he's, he's, been, he's been hit and uh, probably hit too many times for my comfort, but uh, uh, you know, I, I think he's really tough and, and he'll, 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 be, he'll bounce back from it, but uh, you know, I think for more than anything, you see him making the throws and making the right decisions at the, on the field, that, that, that matters. But uh, it's, it's all the stuff that, that he does, just his presence. It's, it's been really good for us. Absolutely. And I think it'll be huge for us in the future with the, the quarterback room. He's already been huge for us in, in recruiting. Um, and, and, you know, he's, been, he's, seen, he's seen what it's like at SC, and he can really share his thoughts and his 
uh, his point of view from where, where he came from and how it compares to this place. And So he's been doing that already? Yeah, okay. and he's already been working with a lot of the recruits that we have. And so he, he's, you, you, if you want to do any, he'll do whatever he, he can to help BYU. And it's, I think he'll be a Cougar for life. I mean, that's, this is going to be, he's, I, can, I think you can plan on him coming back and visiting quite a bit and being around the program as much possible. Because that, that, the guy, hopefully he goes on and does some great things at the next level. But uh, we still have some games with him. Let, let's, uh, I want to I see him perform at his best. I think he's got a lot more uh, great days ahead of him and a lot of great plays ahead of him. I ran into his dad in the hotel in Fort Worth <clears throat> and just talking about the season and how much Keaton's loving it here and almost like he wishes he could have been a part of the BYU uh, family sooner. But at least you get him for a year and, and it's been really important for, for both. Yeah, and, and I think that there, there's, there's going to be some uh, adjustment, transition. Uh, but I think right now we're, we're, we're really close to, to, to clicking on all cylinders. And I say this after not having a great uh, uh, showing last week, but I feel like things are about to turn and, and he's a big part of that. All right, let's get to our studio guest for tonight. And Connor Pay is a mainstay, one of the most versatile and experienced players on the BYU offensive line. Connor this past week made his 28th start on the O-line and his first start of the season at center. And Connor is a legacy lineman, following in his footsteps of his father, who helped anchor the BYU front five during the Ty Detmer era of Cougar football. Let's say hello tonight to Connor Pay. How are you doing, man? Good to see you. Kelsey Bay. How are you? Good to see you. Good to have you back. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Doing very well. How's an offensive lineman's body treating him at this time of the year when you're halfway through? <laughs> um, as about as good as it can be, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. you're doing all right. Uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I was uh, looking back at some of your old stuff, um, high school stuff. And, and when you were recruited to BYU, I think um, in, in your introductory video, you called yourself a left tackle. That's not where we find you uh, nowadays. No. Yeah, uh, but you've had experience clearly on all parts of the offensive line. When did you in your mind go from being a tackle to, to now playing where you are? Um, I think, well, I, I started... Um, as a tackle, my first fall camp here in, in 2020. Um, and that's where I spent the majority of training camp. Um, and then, you know, an opportunity presented itself to, to have a role in the two deep if I slid down to guard. And so Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos gave me that opportunity um, if I was willing to change positions, uh, which I was just because as a brand new freshman, you know, your goal is just to get on the plane, you know, be on that travel squad, get to go to the games. and. Um, have a chance to, you know, maybe even get in a game at some point. And <clears throat> so I slid down inside, played guard and tackle, kind of a mix throughout the first half of that season. Um, and then, you know, uh, Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos were like, hey, can you just, uh, can you uh, try snapping a little bit? You know, you can never have too many uh, centers on a team or at least guys who are capable of doing it. Um, and so I was like, sure, I'll try it. And, uh, you know, it started to, you know, come pretty naturally, um, pretty quick. And so they started giving me like little bits of it in practice, reps here, reps there. And then, uh, um, you know, ended up uh, playing quite a bit in that Boca Raton Bowl at center, which was really my first ever, um, you know, game snaps at center in, a, in an important game that we weren't up by 50 already. So. <laughs> Kalani, what can you add to that story as well, you heard of telling? Connor's probably one, well, he's one of the best athletes, and I think people don't give O-linemen enough credit for the athleticism that they have, but 
really talented and, and he can play all five positions, which, which uh, not a lot of people can do, but he can do that. And he's got the speed, the quickness and the talent to do that, but also the, the mindset. He's got great football IQ and it helps that his dad was a, a former Cougar player too and, and, and a really good coach as well. And then it also helps, a lot of people don't know this, but he's a basketball player too, has a great left jump shot, left-handed <laughs> jump shot. And he's also, he can also pitch in baseball. So uh, he's a complete package when it comes to, to talent. So um, I'm just happy that we got him. We got his little brother that's on a mission right now. He's gonna be here when he gets home from his mission. So uh, we got to keep this, this uh, line of pays going through here. But yep. <laughs> just really happy that he's on our team and great leader for us. He's a captain, you know, so uh, I think the guys, listen when he talks and it helps that he's big and strong and but he does all the things right and, and I'm really really proud to be his coach and, and to have him flourish. I got to see him from young freshman to where he's at now and, and he's made me really proud to be his coach. I'm glad you brought that up because at Lone Peak you did play all three sports basketball baseball included. Uh, when did you decide it's at a certain point that you were going to like focus on one? How much love did you have for basketball and baseball? It's like man I could maybe even uh, carry this on a little, little longer. Oh I loved him. I loved them both. I still love them both. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, my path growing up always pointed towards baseball. That was, that was, the, that was the sport I was best at um, growing up. And, you know, I guess as I got kind of into high school, <clears throat> you know, I got pulled up, you know, as a freshman to play varsity baseball. I didn't to play football, you know, and then my sophomore year kind of took more steps forward, hit a little bit of a growth spurt and, and, uh, you know, football kind of became more of a reality. Um, and when I started getting scholarship offers to play football, you know, then when recruiting started kind of taking off, I kind of realized that that was probably the most realistic path for me. But, um, you know, I still love basketball and baseball. And basketball, thankfully, you can still play it quite a bit. Baseball's a little harder to play competitively now that you're yeah. not uh, a part of a team anymore, but I still love them both, both those sports. Because your dad and his background here at BYU, was it kind of a given that offensive line was going to be where you play if you play yeah. football? Yeah, I had one of those X's on my helmet, you know, <laughs> all growing up, which is, you know, what they give. For those who don't know, it's what they give all the fat kids. They put an X on their helmet, which means you're not allowed to touch the football. Um, and so I was marked as a lineman from day one. <laughs> Besides literally the, marked. <laughs> literally marked. Uh, besides, besides the sporting aspect of your life, I, I read somewhere that uh, drumming was a thing for you. That is. That's Still? one of my favorite hobbies. Still yeah. a thing? Okay. Yes. Uh, we see a, a, a t-shirt here that might have reference yes. to some, I do to have an event sevenfold t-shirt on. You do. So, uh, okay. Uh, what kind of drummer are you? What kind of style would you say you are? And uh, oh, can you list a few drum heroes of yours? Oh, boy. What kind of drummer am I? A bad yeah. one? <laughs> yes, I don't know if I can label myself you as aggressive? anything. You aggressive? Probably. I think hard rock and metal music is definitely more fun to play. Um, and so I gravitate towards those a little bit more. Um, Who are some guys you like then? Uh, I love Rush. Yeah, let's so go. Let's go. Neil, so Neil, Neil, Peart Peart is, yeah. Neil Peart has to be number one. Okay, he's number one for me too. So we're, Everyone we're, 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 we're in a good place. Cheering. We're in a good place. Everyone over the age of 50 really likes that. Thank you. Thank the you. kids are Googling it the right now. The old guys and me. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, my dad raised me on that stuff. And so I love Mike Portnoy. Dream Theater. Uh, Dream Theater. Yeah. Okay. Hey, come on now. You, you got to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Greg, are you a drummer too? Yeah, yeah that's I, I more know. of a, that's a deeper cut. It is. That's a deeper cut. <laughs> 
Um, Jay Weinberg, the drummer for Slipknot, one of yeah, my that, favorites. That, that's very aggressive rock. Yeah, very aggressive, <laughs> yes, very yes. aggressive. Yeah. Probably if you're under the age of 18, probably not a wise decision to dip right. into that genre of music just yet. <laughs> but their drummers are really talented, and that's yeah. kind of what gravitates. I'm not, I'm not so much into the, the screamo type stuff, but those drummers are incredible. So. Excellent. Glad. Good stuff. <laughs> I love all, that, that's very good background. Um, let's a uh, couple things before the break. Uh, back at back at center again. Yep. Uh, you, you made the switches this past game. You clearly mm -hmm. can do everything, uh, just like riding a bike. For yeah, you. I think the the move to center was a little bit easier because Paul and I split reps pretty evenly throughout training camp. So it's, I mean, and you know, we always try to give me one rack or so a week at center during practice, uh, just because you know, even when I was at right guard, I was the backup center if something were to happen to right. Paul. So. Um, it was pretty easy to move back to that position, and because I'd done it the majority of the last two seasons, um, and so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult to move back. It was fun. What does it say about a guy that can like pick it up the way he did? Like you said, pretty easily. It was natural for him to play a tough position. Yeah, and then he's just willing to help the team, so he's willing to do whatever it takes. And and uh, that's not an easy transition for people to make when you're getting used to playing guard and with the footwork and all. And now you're adding. Um, making it a little bit more difficult to add a snap into it. And his snaps have always been really good, but he's, it's his step and his footwork. But his, it's the fact that he knows the plays. and He's been in our offense the longest. He's been there longer than, than most of the players on that offense. And so he gets, he sees the, the, the checks and he can see what's going on with the landscape of the defense. And so it just made a lot of sense for us to put our most veteran guy with the most uh, snaps on him uh, right in the spot where he can actually direct traffic. Your jersey number is 70, right? Mm -hmm. uh, any significance to the number? Nope. I, uh, I was number 73 through all of training camp. My first year, I showed up to the game at Navy, and number 70 was in my locker. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's what you I wanted. I guess eh? there was a conflict <laughs> on field goal or something. Me and Caden Hawes were both on, could be both on field goal at the same time, and he was number 73 at the time, and he had been there longer than me, so he got the number, but I love it now. But yeah. no, that's kind of, that's how I got it. So there wasn't a lot of emotional significance to the number, but <laughs> no, it is yours. No, not at all, okay. not at all. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, we do have to hit break, but uh, a quick word about uh, Big 12 grind so far. You're in a few games, you got a bunch more to go. Just, you know, where is BYU, where are you in, 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 in terms of the Big 12? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's been great. And we're, we're no strangers to a Power 5 level schedule. Um, but, you know, there's, there, obviously there's some more significance to it, being a member of a conference, seeing the standings move. And also, you know, coming off a game, an embarrassing game like we had last week, you know, there's still, there's so much to play for. Um, and there's so much to improve for because even, you know, even being one and two in conference play right now, we're still sitting in the middle uh, of the conference with, you know, six more conference games. So much can happen. You know, there were eight teams competing for a spot in the Big 12 championship in November of last year. And so there's, there's so much for our team to do. It, it can still be, you know, something special. And there's, there, there's just so much we want to do as a team and so much we can do as a team. And I think that's, that's our mindset right now. It's one of the beauties of being in a conference, but I think that's where we're sitting at the moment. Excellent. It's great to be with Connor Pay. Coming up after this, we'll test his wits when BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. Stay with us. Health, uh, Connor Pay with us. Uh, you served your mission in Washington, D.C., right? Yep. 
Okay. I did. Uh, what areas did you get, uh, do you serve in? So I was all on the Virginia side of the Potomac River. I served in Crystal City, which is literally right across the river from DC. Um, then I served in uh, Mount Vernon, um, which is a little further south than up in the Oakton area. And then I finished right in Alexandria. Virginia. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're gonna play a little uh, Washington DC trivia tonight with oh, you. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> This is, mul this is multiple choice, so you'll always have an option here, okay? Okay. All right, uh, we'll start with this question. Uh, which two states border the Washington, D.C. area? And those are your options. Well, Maryland. Maryland. Obviously. Yeah. And uh, Virginia. We're going to go with Maryland and Virginia. And the answer here is, yeah, Maryland and Virginia. <laughs> Figured you'd get that right. The DMV. Yeah. The DMV. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Question number two, who is the only U.S. president to not live at the White House? Now, President Adams is just decoration, don't worry about him. Uh, the <laughs> options are Jefferson, Washington, Obama, and Cleveland. Who's the only U.S. president to not live at the White House? I'm going with George Washington. Let's see. You are correct, sir. Nice. It, was, uh, it was completed okay, after it was completed after his death. Yeah. So he had a good excuse. He was for living in Mount Vernon. I should yeah. know that. All right. Uh, question number three. Who's the only president buried in D.C.? You go Adams, Ford, Hoover, and Wilson here. John Adams? The answer here is actually Woodrow Wilson. He's buried at the Washington National Cathedral. Damn. Well, I never okay. went to those. So. Okay. <laughs> Nor should you be. All right. Uh, question four. You're serving a mission, guys. <laughs> what was the original name of the Washington Commanders NFL team? Uh, it, it, by the way, they, they relocated to Washington oh, back in wow. 1937. What was the original name of their team? The Hartford Whalers, the Maryland Mayors, the New England Clam Chowder, or the Boston Braves? Oh, what was geez. the football team before it went to the nation's capital? Do you know that one? I wanted to be clam chowder for some reason. <laughs> Speaking to you. I'm going to say the Boston Braves. And the answer here is the Boston Braves. Well done. Right. What NBA superstar was part owner and president of the basketball, basketball operations for the Washington Wizards oh. until 2001? These are your options. Kobe, Michael MJ, Jordan. Nash, or Bird. And he says Michael Jordan because we all know it's Michael Jordan. Well yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> He had to divest himself of ownership when he returned to play in the NBA as well. Uh, question number six. What is the name of the river flowing through Washington, D.C.? The Shenandoah, the Bull Run, the Potomac, or the Virgin? The Potomac River. The Potomac River, he says with absolute certainty. It's the Potomac River. <laughs> the White House gets blown up by aliens on the 4th of July holiday weekend in what 1996 Will Smith film? Is it Hitch, Independence Day, Wild Wild West, or Bad Boys? Independence Day? He said with a question mark? Independence it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I vaguely remember it. Question eight. The Washington Nationals were known by what name before moving to D.C. in 2005? Were they the Calgary Stampeders? Shout out. Uh, Edmonton Oilers, Montreal Expos, or Vancouver Canucks? Which baseball team... Were they before they moved to Washington in 2005? Were they the Montreal Expos? Were they the Montreal Expos? They were the Montreal yeah. Expos. Yeah. Right. Rip not the Expos, bad. by the way. It still makes me sad that they're not there anymore. <laughs> um, all right, question number nine. 
What famous DC building can be seen along the Capitol Beltway and emulates a famous building in Salt Lake City with its number of spires? Is it the DC Temple? The DC Temple. Okay, let's just go with that right there. <laughs> and we'll see. Okay, good job. How are that's that, what everybody says. They come across like, the beltway, they think it looks like Walt Disney World. That's what everybody that. says. It's not that. Well done. Uh, you pretty much nailed that entire thing, so well done. Uh, after this break, social media Q&A for the coach and Connor and some BYU football trivia. When BYU football with Kalani Sitake returns on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN Plus. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by... Intermountain Health, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics in partnership with the San Bernardino International Airport. And Ken Garf, we hear you. All right, uh, we are back on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. We have time for a brief Q&A segment uh, brought to you by Ken Garf. We hear you. We'll have one social media question and one question from Hema, because Hema always gets a question in. Uh, from social media, for both of you, are you looking forward to, and I'm, I'm not sure either one can either partake even, uh, are you looking forward to the bacon-topped cougar tails on Saturday? They're saying for homecoming, the cougar tail will be topped with bacon this weekend. Does yes. that sound appealing? Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Connor? No, Thumbs I'll just take his bacon on my on my cougar tail. You can have it. That's I've had those like maple donuts with bacon on it. It's just not my thing. Not your know, thing. It's not my thing. So we have one yes and one no on that one. Uh, from Hema, <laughs> uh, this is for you, Connor. Uh, what's more satisfying, a pancake block, or dunking a basketball? He notes that he can't do either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've never dunked on anybody before, and so maybe that's a little different. But I would have to say a pancake block probably feels better. Very satisfying? Yes, just the physical dominance of another human being is very satisfying. <laughs> One last question. We're going to sneak this in. Uh, favorite away venue you've played at? Oh. Um, I think there's, there's probably two. Um, it was a neutral site, but Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, playing really there cool. twice. That was a really yeah. cool stadium to play in. Arizona and Notre Dame, right? The two yeah, that we talked yep. about. And then, uh, you know, I'd have to say either Arkansas or USC. Oh, really? Yeah. Even okay. though there wasn't very many people when we played USC um, that year, that was the Coliseum, obviously, such a historical place. It's a fun place to play. Very cool. Good stuff. As we take another break, here's this week's trivia question presented by Breeze, the official <coughs> hometown airline of BYU Athletics. Which FBS career passing record does Ty Detmer still hold? All these years later, the answer is coming up next on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. With Kalani Sitake, here's tonight's trivia question presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. Which FBS career passing record does Ty Detmer still hold? And the answer here, and by the way, Connor got it during the break, uh, most consecutive games with 300-plus passing yards, 24 straight games from uh, September of 1989 to the end of the following season. Remarkable stuff. All right, let's look ahead wow. to uh, Saturday's <laughs> broadcast schedule for BYU and Texas Tech. 
in his homecoming Saturday. Oh, look, it's Connor Pay on our screen. Uh, we'll have a, a 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Mountain Time, two-hour pregame show on BYU Sports Nation Game Day on the TV side. Cougar pregame live on the radio side. You can watch the game on FS1, listen to it on BYU Radio with Hans and Mitch and me. And then afterward, come back to BYU TV. Stay with us on BYU Radio for comprehensive post-game coverage. That's all Saturday night. All right, it is time for tonight's uniform reveal. And here to show us all what the Cougars will be wearing Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium is our own Sitake Show stand-in, Travis Hodson. Travis, come in, please. Travis, ready, to, ready to get into a stance. And so what do we have here? Hi, Travis. Uh, we have the, uh, the white helmet with uh, the chrome royal face mask. We're going royal jerseys and white with royal trim on the pants. It's a good look. It's a clean look. And uh, usually Travis ends up being asked by somebody, uh, you know, A, uh, who, you know, what position do you play? And the answer is he doesn't play. He just looks like he does. And uh, <laughs> invariably I'll be out in the lobby after the show and, and they'll be asking, you know, which player can I get his autograph? I said, you're welcome to. It's just Travis, though. But, uh, <laughs> and, and, Travis, and Travis isn't like a mascot in that he can't talk. It's just that he, he doesn't talk a whole lot. It's better if I don't talk. <laughs> yeah. But Travis does play the part, doesn't he? It looks like he looks like he might be. He does. Yes, yeah. very good. <laughs> uh, do you like the look, uh, Connor? You'll wear anything. You're, but is this is this one of uh, ones that you'd say is a favorite, or is it? Uh, yeah. Anytime we don't wear the all white, even though it does look really good, not a lineman's friend. The all white. <laughs> and so I'm a fan of the royal jerseys. Okay, and Kalani, you've always been pretty, you're like, hey. I like it all, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a good look. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the, the, the donuts. The bacon, the, the yeah. bacon topped uh, cougar tail. Yeah. You're still a little distracted? Yeah, he, he likes a pancake block. I want the pancake with bacon on top now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll get 30 seconds from you before we wrap it up then, Connor, on how big uh, Texas Tech is for you in this season, right, right now. Hey, it's a big game for us. You know, I think... Um, we responded to adversity well last time against Kansas. Came back and were able to get a big win against, you know, Cincinnati. And any chance that we have to defend, you know, Lavelle's house is a big game for us. Um, and, you know, I think it's just, it's the next game. That's why it's the most important on our schedule. It's the biggest game of the year for us because it's this week's game. And no one's mind should be anywhere else. Um, and, you know, this is obviously a big game, not only to bounce back from what happened last week, but, you know, just to get our season going again. Great stuff. And for Connor Pay, folks, have a great Happy week. Happy Pay. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.